Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hi, how's it going? Hello, how are you? Good. So I have a special guest with me today. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, I am Louise Kennedy and I am a writer from Ireland. I, I grew up in the north of Ireland uh, in the 1970s during uh, the time that was known as the Troubles. And I now live in the northwest of Ireland in a place that's altogether quieter and by the sea. <laughs> that sounds so nice. <laughs> it is. Uh, it rains a lot, but it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I could use a little rain. I live very far in the desert, so. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love a little rain. Um, okay. Yeah, we're the opposite. We like uh, go out and mutilate ourselves when the sun comes out. Um, yeah. We get so excited. <laughs> Just would love a little sunshine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we asked all of our guests a couple of questions before we get started into the, the nitty gritty. Um, so I'll start with the first one is, what is your favorite series of all time? Oh, okay. So I have to. I'm gonna to have to go way back to childhood for this. So um, I think my very favorite were the Enid Blyton uh, boarding school series of books that that I read as a child. And my favorites were she did two sets of books set in boarding schools. And my favorites were the Mallory Towers books. Okay. They made me want to go to boarding school, which is probably ridiculous because um, I thought it was all going to be about midnight feasts and lashings of ginger beer and eating yeah. pears from tins. And actually, uh, boarding school in Ireland in those days was probably about being freezing cold and half starved by um by resentful nuns. So um yeah, I'm probably lucky my parents didn't go for that. <laughs> Definitely, I love that. Okay, so what is your favorite standalone then? Oh, my favorite standalone book. See, this changes a lot. Yeah, but I think that. I think my favourite book probably is uh, a book called In the Forest by the Irish writer Edna O'Brien. Okay. Um, it was published in the maybe the mid-90s and it's based on something that actually happened here. A terrible story of a, of a young, very sort of disturbed man who um, abducted several people. But it's not written. I mean, it's it's probably like the most literary sort of uh, psych- psychological thriller you could you could imagine. Yeah. Okay. That sounds really good. I have to try that mm. one. <laughs> beautifully written like really lyrical prose it's just beautiful yeah so who is your ultimate book boyfriend or like your favorite male character oh god I have terrible taste in um in in, uh, book characters yeah I think uh, (laughs) when I was a teenager I was probably uh besotted with Mr Rochester but he was terrible um (laughs) you know I think that was until I read uh, the the wild sargasso sea you know the Gene Reese book that uh which was like uh, telling us from you know Mrs Rochester's the first Mrs Rochester's point of view yeah Um, so he probably would have been um a bit of a favorite I probably had a bit of a thing for Heathcliff as well but he wasn't much better yeah (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, so that's it. I had terrible taste in uh, in bookmen. Yeah, we all do, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, who is your favorite um, female character then? Oh, I think I I think I love Bathsheba Everdeen from Far from the Magic Crowd. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she wreaks a bit of havoc, but it's kind of not her fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started into writing and a little bit more about your book? So, um, yeah, I was born in the north of Ireland in the late uh, 60s. And uh, my parents lived in a small town on the shores of Belfast Block, where my grandmother had a pub. And the pub was 
bombed a couple of times and my family began to leave the north. It was during the time now known as the Troubles. And we moved to the south of Ireland after that. And I suppose my school days as a teenager were probably a bit lonely, which was kind of terrible for me, but really great for my reading. So I spent quite a bit of time by myself um, reading books, um, which in retrospect probably wasn't the worst way to, to, to pass uh, time. <laughs> and after I left school, I trained to be, I wanted to be a social worker. And I, then I, I was kind of terrible at that because I have a tendency to over empathize with people. So I used to like weep in meetings and things like that, which was of absolutely no use to anybody. So I borrowed money and learned how to cook, did a course and learned how to cook. So I cooked and ran restaurants for nearly 30 years. And in, by 2014, myself and my husband had been running a restaurant for a few, we had our own restaurant that we'd had for a few years. And really, it didn't get much of a start because we opened it a few months before um, kind of the global economy started to collapse. And um, it was just, uh, you know, a, bit, a, a pretty awful struggle, actually, all through the years. It was really like limping towards its own death at that stage. And And then one day in January 2014, a friend asked me to accompany her to a writing group that was uh, being set up in Sligo, the town that I live in. And um, I think I laughed a few times. I mean, she asked me a few times that day to go along and uh, I thought it was a ridiculous idea. But eventually um, she practically bundled me into the car and I went along. And I mean, I really felt very out of place because everyone else in the room that evening at the first meeting had been, you know, they had a cache of poems in a drawer. They had an unfinished memoir somewhere and I had written nothing. And, and I suppose to save face, I um, I agreed to try to write a short story. We all did. And it was kind of a rosa drawn up. And I think I had five weeks to write a story. And um, I don't know what the hell happened to me when I sat down and started to type. But I really felt that something had shifted in me. And I felt, I wouldn't say, you know, that I was like, you know, running through the garden, you know, chuckling with laughter or anything. But I definitely felt better in myself when I was writing. And that has kind of been the case ever since. Yeah. So that's how I started writing. That is such a fun journey. I think it's always good to have like that friend that pushes you to do the things that you didn't know you were capable of. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I mean, I could very easily never have written because, you know, um, working in uh, restaurants, the hours tend to be quite antisocial. So I was never the yeah. sort of person who'd like join things or be in clubs and stuff like that. So it was, it was really pretty out of character for me even to go to the meeting. So, yeah, it could easily not have happened. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. So this is technically your debut novel but you wrote a few mm -hmm. short stories How, what yeah. made you kind of make that transition from you know writing short stories into doing um, a full-fledged novel yeah I think um I think there are a couple of things I think that the stories had started to become a bit more complex and the, so I had a collection of short stories that was published last year by Bloomsbury in the in the UK and Ireland and it's going to be available I think from Riverhead next year and there's one story in the book it's the last story that appears in the book but it wasn't the last story of the collection that I wrote but um, that gave me terrible trouble and so did a few of the, the kind of later stories and I think that maybe it was because there were a couple of story threads that I was trying to weave together and maybe there were characters who were maybe vying a little bit for, you know, who was the protagonist. Um, and I and they gave me terrible trouble. Like one in particular, I, I think I spent, you know, 60 something thousand words in about 13 months trying to figure out what to do with it. And I think that once I began to write the novel, I realized that I was trying to stop a novel into a short story. So I think that was a, a, a one of one factor. And I think the other factor was that in March 2019, I got a diagnosis for melanoma and I had surgery and I knew I was going to be off work for two or three months. 
And I guess, you know, getting so any kind of cancer diagnosis probably makes you think a little bit about your mortality, you know, to some extent, um, yeah. you know, in a way that you don't really have to when you're not sick. And um, I guess I realized that I couldn't presume that I'd have, you know, infinite time to wander around the place that I'm writing a novel, you know. Um, and I thought I'd just better get my uh, backside into a chair and start writing. So I made a deal with myself that I try and write a thousand words a day. Which isn't really that much, but I didn't manage it every day, but most days I did. And it meant that within, I suppose, two and a half or three months, I had something that resembled a draft of a novel. Yeah, I mean, it was a hell of a mess, but it was was long and there was something to work with. So, yeah, absolutely. That's so crazy. That's probably a really nice process that you were able to, like, go through all of that and be able to write it all at once and then you get into the editing because I feel like if you that was actually brilliant and it was totally yeah. different from the way that I work when I'm writing short stories and um, because they tend to be really quite painstaking I mean I don't know if they have to be like that but that's the <laughs> way I do them and um yeah they were it's, I, it's really funny because people have asked me oh are you writing any more stories and I'm like I couldn't the moment bears write a story they're just so intense and unforgiving yeah, um, and, and that's not to say that novels are like really easy, but I think it's very different. It's just, you, you, you know, it, it's like a novel's kind of like a test of endurance, really. Yeah, and you get to really lengthen it and, and flush out your characters and there's not like a Absolutely, and you, yeah. and you can write a big mess and then fix it, do you know what I mean? Whereas right. I just think with the stories, I get so obsessed with sort of tone and stuff like that at the start that I don't really give myself very much leeway and I just try and like stay, stay in uh, uh, whatever the tone is that I'm trying to set. Right. And, exactly. um, yeah. And that's a totally different process altogether. You're just kind of inching along. Yeah. <laughs> so can you give us like a elevator pitch of what Trespass is about? Oh, I see. I hope this isn't too long. OK, so uh, Trespasses is about a young Catholic teacher in a small town on the shores of Belfast Lock who helps out in her family's bar. And one night a man walks into the bar and he is considerably more interesting than any of the men who drink in the pub or any of the men that she knows. And they begin a relationship. But they're really, uh, in principle, in, in that time and place, very unsuited because he is a lot older than her. He is a Protestant and she's a Catholic and he is married. So lots of conflict. Yeah, <laughs> just a whole heap of things they shouldn't be involved in. But <laughs> yes, absolutely. Any one of those is probably bad enough Yeah, in, in those days. Yeah, definitely. So I know this is very close to home for you, but where did you get the idea for the novel? Is it based off of like people, you know, or was this just something that was kind of like floating around in your head? Or is this a little bit about you? Um, no, it's not about me as such, but um, the world that uh, the novel plays out in is very much the world, like the, the world that I lived in as a child. Um, the, the bar, the Kushner, the main characters and um, family own is is very much like the bar that my grandparents owned. And I suppose the, the other thing that I didn't do on purpose, I mean, I really set out to write a love story, but once I set it in 1975, you know, near Belfast, the, the troubles really started to come into it very, they really did start to press in on it. And I think because I was inventing characters, I, you know, Kushla was a made up character. So is Michael, the man she has a relationship. And then Kushla also becomes very close to a child in her class called Davy and his family after his father is very badly injured in a random uh, sectarian. And I think because all of those things were made up, I felt a responsibility to make everything else as true as possible. So 
every morning the children they begin the day with a prayer but then they do this thing that's called the news which is what we did at school which is that they would have to tell in their own words really whatever terrible horrors and atrocities that happened in the troubles the previous day so you know we were we did that we were like we were reporters because it wasn't a place where you know they wouldn't bother to report if a cat got stuck up a tree or something it was all um, you know sectarian killings and bombings and things like that so the news that they recite in the novel corresponds to what would have been in the news actually on the same day in in, in that year so I, I did try to make all of that very real but 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 the story is invented okay what was it like for you to write about something that was so close to home for you and a lot about your childhood. Um, I think, you know, I think I thought it was okay in the beginning. And it, it, it was okay, but uh, I mean, actually I cried a lot. Uh, there were parts of it where I did cry a lot. I think I, I also cried a lot when members of my family read it and said, oh my God, that's just what it was like, you know? Uh, and other people, you know, who lived through those times have contacted me uh, to, to say that it really brought them brought it back to them in a way that they weren't um, expecting. Mm-hmm. And that there were maybe little details they that they'd forgotten or something. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was probably very emotional, but I don't know if that's if that's not a bad thing, really. And I also think that maybe, you know, I had another idea for a novel as well. And once I knew that I was sick, this seemed to be the one that that, that had urgency around it. And maybe that's because yeah, it was maybe my way of, of saying that, you know, my family had been there at, at that time because we did leave, you know. So, yeah, I think that that's possibly why. I And it's such a powerful novel. Like, I don't know about like, I think in American culture, like this isn't something we learn a lot about. Like we all know about it, but it's not something that's definitely like discussed quite so often. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, I, I used to live in the Middle East and I had a lot of Irish friends that were there as mm-hmm. well. And it was just so funny because, you know, there'd be girls that were from the South and then, you know, there's, I met a few girls that were from Belfast and it's just such a different like upbringing. And, totally different yeah, yeah. and they would yeah. talk about that kind of stuff like the things that they learned in school and like all those sorts of things and it's just funny that like your guys is what you guys learn about is so different than us and so I was mm-hmm. as soon as we got <laughs> the offer to interview you I was like immediately yes I would love to oh, hear about this I'm so glad. Thank yeah you. <laughs> and I love the book I it was so powerfully written I think you know the tone and the setting but also it felt very accurate historically and so i was like i could tell that this is something that was definitely close to home for you mm-hmm. yeah it was i mean so that was very real but um yeah um i have one aunt it's actually kind of funny so uh, my father's younger sister is very keen for me to tell people that she is absolutely not the model for kushla <laughs> she didn't uh, have a relationship with somebody's husband when she was very young yeah <laughs> she um yeah which is kind of funny um that is funny yeah This episode is sponsored by Audible from Amazon. We all know I'm obsessed with audiobooks. Audible from Amazon is the perfect way to get all of my favorites in one place. Anytime I feel like I need a good cry, I listen to the Audible exclusive version of A House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Maas. When the latest trending book comes out and I don't have time to physically read it, I head to Audible. For one low monthly price, you get a select book or two of your choosing to keep forever, and you gain access to exclusive Audible members-only content. So if you've ever thought about trying audiobooks, want to be able to listen to your favorites whenever you want, or you're just obsessed with audiobooks like me, then you need to check out Audible by Amazon. Click the link in the show notes for a free trial or head over to www.audibletrial.com backslash the bookish banter podcast. How has this process been for you writing and publishing and everything during COVID? Because I know, I think you guys were a little more strict than we were and had some 
more regulations and things like that. So what was that like for you writing and publishing? Um, um, you know, I actually found pandemic really great uh, once I kind of got my head around it. I think like everybody else in, in the March and April, um, when we were all just freaking out and yeah. didn't know what we were dealing with, I found it very difficult. And I probably went for about a month of doing nothing, but I don't know, we just seem to be eating constantly. Uh, my kids were in the house as well. They, at the time, they were in their late teens and but they'd wander into the kitchen going, what's for dinner, you know, before they'd even had breakfast. So it's just, there seems to be a lot of that. And then at some point I just thought, okay, if this is going to, somebody said to me, oh, they're saying this could last for two years. And I thought, what? And then I thought, okay, but if we're going to be locked in here for two years, I actually have stuff to do. So I finished the short story collection and did drafts on it. I probably, I did, um, you know, copy edits and stuff like that. Um, I finished my PhD thesis, which uh, was kind of miraculous because I never thought I'd finish that. I thought I, I thought I was going to be one of those people who was going to be wandering out for 10 years, wandering and finishing PhD. Um, but I got that out of the way. And um, I brought uh, Trespasses on by about four or five drafts as well. And um, it really wasn't an effort. There was nothing else to do. Like we were literally <laughs> locked down here sometimes for four or five months at a time. Yeah. And we were only at one period, at one point we were, here for months and we were only allowed to go like two kilometers away from the house which is nothing and yeah so I, I i was just really grateful to have work to do and as for publishing you know um the my short story collection was published in the uk last spring and i wouldn't naturally have been very confident about i mean i wouldn't think naturally confident um, i'm frankly terrified of the prospects of having to walk onto a stage and talk about something that i'd written so I found that I had to do that, but actually it was in a very protected way because it was via Zoom from my kitchen table where I'd look kind of reasonable to the waist and then I'd have like pajama bottoms on <laughs> and just the area behind me would be tied the rest of the place would be like a tip. Um, so um, that was actually kind of great. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was okay, you know? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of authors had a lot of time to kind of figure out what they wanted to do with their, <laughs> their books and got to write them. And we're always saying like, now is the time of everybody's like pandemic books. So they feel really like emotional and big and real. And yeah. I think it was, they were, everyone was just grateful to have the time, but I, I think that's true. Like... Yeah. As well. Although I must say I wasn't really working on anything new and I don't know how I would have managed that. I had lots of things to finish, you know, yeah. things that were already um, kind of in progress that I needed to finish. I don't know how it would have been at inventing new work because you kind of need to be in the world a bit, I think, to have, you know, you need like that stimulation, or I do anyway, in the world a bit <laughs> sometimes. And I don't know if um, being locked up for months on end was really needed a lot of work for me. Yeah. 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 I think everybody was sitting on these ideas and it was finally a chance to get to write them out. And, and they're so, I, th exactly. I think a lot of the pandemic books are some of the, some authors' best books. So, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I read the um, the Elizabeth Strife book uh, lately. Is it Lucy by the Sea? And mm -hmm. some of that was like really shocking because you like I think we all forgot very quickly. You yeah. know, I think we're also happy to be liberated now that we've sort of not thinking about it too much. But it really did bring back a few things. It was like, oh my god, it was that crazy. Yeah, yeah. I read um, Karen Slaughter wrote a it's a thriller, but it was False Witness, and she wrote it kind of set in the pandemic. And oh, wow. I read it last year. Yeah. Towards the end of the year, you know, when everything was sort of more calmed down. And I was like, well, okay. I actually did forget that like this, this was how it was. So. Bonkers. It was yeah. all that yellow tape all over the place. That awful COVID yellow color and everything it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, we, we did actually wear masks everywhere and, and not go places and do oh. all those things. I forgot about that. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was absolutely. What was your least favorite scene to write or the hardest scene for you to write? Oh, um, hmm. 
I think I found the this. Oh, you see, I can't say it. Okay, I'm going to think of a different one because the scene that I was going to say, I don't think I can because there's a spoiler in it. Yeah. Okay, I found the sex scenes really difficult. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How did you kind of work through all of that? God. Um, <laughs> I think I just kept it in my mind that there was something that I read. Okay. And it was, um, I, I don't want to say who wrote the book, but this is somebody who usually writes um, sex very sensitively and stuff. But there there was one passage where this male writer had written something and he, he described something. It was anyway, the image was something around, you know, carriages on a train, like slamming in together. And I thought, oh, dear God, well, that's not very nice, is it? Um, and I think um, there's a risk in saying that any aspect of sex is like something else. So I think I tried to avoid that um, and then just really think about, you know, the sensations or something. Um, and also I was really trying not to let it descend into anything that was too porny as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know how I did it. Um, yeah, just uh, drafts and redrafts and stuff like that. And, and then also, I hope, because I have great people um, who look at my work now, editors, and um, that if it was dreadful, they'd tell me. So I have to trust that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Your main character, Crystal, she goes through quite a lot with her family, her community relationships, all that kind of stuff. Where did you find the inspiration to kind of build her character and decide to put her through all of this? Um, yeah, that's a kind of a tricky one because um, I wanted to give her a bit of agency. So that's why she tries to help that family. But I suppose I also wanted to show that, you know, Kushner's is educated. She's a teacher. She is. It's the 1970s. She's aware that in the wider world, a, a, a kind of a more permissive society has emerged. But she's also really aware that she is, you know, she has, um, I suppose she has a bit of a uh, profile in, in the community because she teaches uh, young children. Her employer is, is really, you know, the priest is, has a, is, is on the board of management in the school. She is expected to live with her mother uh, until she gets married. There isn't really a thing. There isn't really any way for her to, to move out or, or go and do her own thing. But at the same time, you know, as I said, there's this like more permissive kind of society there. So I think I just wanted to... Um, to put a young woman there um, and just uh, put a bit of temptation in her way, I guess, and just see see how, how she deals with it. So um, I don't know how, how she does this. She kind of fairly goes for it, I guess. But um, yeah, and I think um, I think as well that, you know, there's a bit of conflict, conflict maybe between Cushion and her mother, who, you know, her mother, by her own words, says that she married above herself. So she would have been, you know, maybe um, sort of a good looking girl from a fairly poor background who ends up marrying the eldest son of a man who has relatively a little bit of money. And but, you know, he's dead, but she doesn't get the pub. You know, the pub goes to her son. So she's just she has no place at all now. She's not even, you know, kind of the wife of the local public. She's just, you know, a woman who's like not very happy and probably drinking too much gin <laughs> in the house with uh, with the daughter who's running about the place. So, um, yeah, they're, they're all those kind of relationships that I find kind of interesting. Yeah. Did you find that really difficult to write those? And, you know, no, not too much. Um, I think that um, I think really early on, I realized that all the best lines were going to come out of Kushma's mother's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, in lots of ways, is very like my grandmother, you know, who owned the pub and um, everything that comes out of Gina's mouth. I could imagine my and it's not that she did say it, but I could imagine my grandmother saying, it, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a sort of a, a sharpness or maybe a harshness, but actually she's really all right. Deep down. But, you know, she kindness wouldn't trip off her, her lips easily. Yeah, I am yeah. a German grandmother and I felt that. 
Really? All of Gina's lines. I was like, I yeah, yeah. Ears, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that cuts really close to home there. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <Yeah. laughs> wow. So I really love your the American cover. The US cover is wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. So were you involved in the process for creating your covers at all, or was it just sort of like a No, I wasn't involved in creating it. I was I was consulted. Um yeah. all right. My Becky, my brilliant editor in Riverhead, came to us with the cover and asked what we thought, and we just loved it. So yeah, there there wasn't any hesitation there nice okay yeah yeah it's brilliant I just think it's gorgeous gorgeous image isn't it yeah they did such a great job as soon as I saw yeah. it I was like oh my gosh and then when I saw it in person I was like it's just so beautiful so it is lovely so yeah. I don't know you've probably seen more than me then have you seen the hardcover book because I have just the proof yeah. here I do. Oh, the... is that lovely? I have okay. a, I have a, a galley or a, what do you call these? Is it an ARC? What do you call these? Uh, the advanced copies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We call these proofs. And um, so I have one, I have a, just have a proof here. So yeah. So as soon as I got it, I was like, well, this is nice. <laughs> so I'm always curious as to how much uh, you guys have like involvement in creating the covers. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel that I've been very lucky all along uh, that I've had, you know, kind of meaningful conversations about everything and um, every step of the way with both of my editors in the, in the UK and the US. So it's been pretty great, actually. That's amazing. Do you have, well, I know most of my audience is in the US, but do you have any virtual events or in-person events for the book launch? Um, so I am doing something with, I think, they're, are they called Exile on Bookville? Is that what they're called? Um, it's a bookshop in Chicago. Okay. So all of this will be on my Twitter page. And oh, I'm also doing something with Book Passage in San Francisco with an Irish writer called Ethel Rowan. And yeah, there are a few other things okay. as well. And yeah. those are all going to be virtual or in person? They're all going to be virtual. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Um, I think I would advise I've had so I've done some teaching uh, I've taught writing a few times and I find that sometimes students are very um, concerned about what editors want and I think nobody should actually think about that at all I think that um, unless you're writing with your heart and soul an editor is not going to want it anyway and publishers are always looking for new stuff they're always looking for interesting stuff and the main thing is just to make uh, really make it all about the work and not and don't even think about it Who's ever going to read it? That's the most important thing. That's really good advice. I like that. <laughs> we ask that question every time and we always get different answers. So. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what's next for you? you okay, so I do. I have started a new novel and it is going to be about a character who's quite different from Cushion Radio, a young, a woman who we meet her when she's young and then meet her later on as well. And um, she is the sort of person who... Uh, she's maybe a bit unguarded and uh, she makes life kind of hard for herself. And um, I think she's going to keep doing that until a certain point where maybe she has to reckon with the effect that's had on her life and on other people. And so I'm at the point where I think it's a great idea, which means that I'm about a month away from thinking, what have I done? I'm ruining my life. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's just it. She goes through various phases. So at the moment, I think it's an amazing idea. So I just hope that, um, yeah, long way at last. That sounds really good. And coming out in the next few years, hopefully. <laughs> uh, hopefully in a couple of years, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that is all the questions I have. Well, I really Brilliant. appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you so much. It was gorgeous talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem. And where can everybody find you? Okay, so I am on, I think it's at Kennedy Lulu is my Twitter handle. I'm on okay. Twitter way too much. And then I'm also on Instagram a bit. And um, it's Louise.Kennedy with two Y's in Kennedy. Okay, yeah. perfect. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. <laughs>
Great. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Okay. You too. Take care. All right. All right. Make sure to check out Trespasses by Louise Kennedy wherever books are sold. This book is phenomenal. If you want to see my full in-depth reviews, check out Instagram and TikTok. I love this book so much, and I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Louise. Make sure to check her out on Instagram and Twitter and follow her for updates there. And definitely, definitely go grab yourself a copy of this book because it is phenomenal. As a reminder, this month's book club read is The Poppy Wars. If you guys want to join us for that, the meeting will be on the 27th of November. Also, deadlines for final orders for the Christmas designs to get them before Christmas is December 15th. So make sure you guys get your orders in for those Merry Little Book Miss and the Dear Santa books only designs. I am obsessed with these. I'm not even going to lie to you. I think they're so cute. Next week's episode will be a deep dive into the Once Upon a Broken Heart series with my friend Jesse. Make sure to check out our Patreon page as well. You could get exclusive discounts to merchandise, early episodes ad-free, and a really fun Discord community on there. And I am just obsessed with all the girls. Shout out to Shay at Shay Alexa BK for being an amazing patron. I could not thank you enough. <laughs> uh, if you guys do want to join there, go ahead and check out the show notes below for information on how to join the Patreon. If you guys have any episode requests, please feel free to reach out on Instagram, TikTok, or on the Contact Us page on the website. And again, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for all of your support. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review and have a lovely week. Bye. 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 Bye.